All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of Con Job. This week, we're going to be doing another vendor spotlight. We're going to have Pat and Alexis from Amorable Art with us, and uh, we're going to just talk about all things convention or not convention related, depending on uh, where we take it, because, you know, that's how 2020 is these days. Convention related? What are you talking about? Yeah, what's a convention? So uh, without further ado, we would like to, uh, Alexis, Pat, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves? We are a morable art. My husband, Pat, is an artist. He creates elevated fan art with watercolor and alcohol ink, and I do everything else. What kind of alcohol? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's, 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 uh, well, we usually use, I use Ranger or Pita, uh, was it Piata or something like Piñata. Uh, there's several different brands that you can use, but uh, I kind of like the watercolors better. I do the alcohol ink because it's, well, it's very pigmented and very bright, but it's also the paper's a lot easier to cut than watercolor paper. I know whenever I do any kind of alcohol painting, mine is usually with tequila. <laughs> <laughs> how, does, how does that paper you use differ from the regular watercolor paper? Because that's the stuff that my, my Meg uses, so I'm Yeah, you're, you're, uh, your wife uses, I'm sure, it's probably about 140-pound cold-press paper. And it's it's a rag almost is what yeah, I call them. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's very it's thick. It holds a lot of water and it holds a lot of paint, and that's what it's designed to do. The thing is, once you put the water on it and you put the paint on it, it's very thick, and it gets hard to cut because I do a cutout technique. Yeah, and so I use an exacto knife. And uh, with the exacto knife with watercolor paper, I have to change my exacto blades probably about every two to three minutes because it just dulls it. It's like taking if you took your exacto knife and went out to the street and just rubbed it all <laughs> over the concrete, that's about the same thing it is using cutting the paper, the watercolor paper. The alcohol ink paper is really nothing more than copy paper. Uh, we buy uh, Costco copy machine no. paper. No, it's not Costco. Photo paper. Photo, that's right, photo paper. <laughs> and uh, ink it on one side, and then I cut it. And it's, it's just like cutting a regular piece of paper with a, a very sharp pair of scissors almost. It just cuts like butter. It's easier, but I don't get the kind of effects that I like when I use my watercolors. And for those of you who aren't aware of Amorval Art, it's generally the largest booth that you're going to see at all of our shows. They always have an end cap, and it's like four ends all together. Because... Um, Neil Adams is always bigger. <laughs> Thank you. Actually, he's not an artist. I mean, he's a comic book guy. I, 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 I disagree. Oh, man. I, mean, I, I take that back. He is an artist, but he's not selling art. He's selling his comic books, so I'm just saying. You guys always have the largest – <laughs> set up and that's not a negative that was a that was a positive just so well, well, here's the, yeah here's how we we have a philosophy about how we do things uh and if you don't do it right don't bother doing bother. it i completely I agree see, uh, I, with alexa and her new setup i've seen photographs of, of of her new booth and how it looks like and it's oh my god i'm in love with that i need <laughs> you to design my new booth you know because Oh, that new it's, one, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's done so well. And so it's one of those things where we, 
feel like if we're not going to go big, we might as well just go home. Alexa's new booth is just so high end. And that's what we really try to strive for. We want to be high end. We can only, we can only try to be as good as her. Well, you know, I am going to give a self plug here and say that just wait for 2021 because there is a, uh, there is a new business coming that's uh, going to be uh, a booth design business. So just wait. Wow. Well, that sounds interesting. Are we sure 2021 is going to happen? I the was apocalypse just about isn't? to say. Well, what is it? <laughs> 2021 is going to happen regardless. We don't know if there's yeah, anything that's going to actually take place, but. Dear <laughs> <laughs> <Fear> God. <laughs> so how long, how long have you guys been doing shows? We started selling his art on Etsy in 2014, and in 2015, he set up his very first in-person event at a church parking lot craft bazaar, and we got into cons in 2017, I believe. You guys are in Virginia, I think that was the first year that I met you guys. Yeah. Yes. That was the first year that I met them. I remember uh, remember kind of wandering by the booth, and it was, uh, God, I think I met you guys at Wizard World Philly. No, it wasn't Wizard World Philly. Yeah, I believe so. Was it Philly? It okay. might have been Philly. I'm trying to remember when ours was. Jeez. I don't even know. Yeah. Oh, I don't yeah. know. It you know, feels like we've always known each other. Well, and it's funny that you say that because like we were talking the other day about like how how we've known people and how we've met people. And everybody's and everybody's people. been at a con though, except us. Yeah, yeah, it's it's funny. Um <laughs> if you guys don't know our origin story, we met at Disney. Um mm-hmm. but no, I you know. It feels like a lot of people have just always been there. Like it right. feels like you guys have always been there. You know, there are, there are lots of vendors that feel like that. So, what what got you guys into doing to doing comic cons? I know you you know you've done like some some fine art galleries and whatnot, and then you made the jump to to comic cons. What was the what was the catalyst for that? It felt very natural to do so because Pat and I are both geeks anyway, and he was making geek art and selling it at craft shows and county fairs yeah and so everybody would come in and they'd look and go oh have you ever thought about doing a comic-con and i was like no i really haven't given it much thought they said well you really ought to look out look out to do it because it's one of those things where you probably do very well at those but i was really comfortable you know it's one of those things where you get comfortable in what you're doing and I knew exactly what kind of uh, what kind of things would happen in a craft show, right. the kind of people and all that. You know, you, you got demographics and you, you kind of start noticing who's buying your art. And I always had a certain uh, demographic, I always had an 18 to 35 age group vibe going. But uh, those were not mostly who went to these craft shows. Mostly who went to the craft shows were the, you know, 45 to 60 year olds. And they were looking for the wreath to hang on their door. But they weren't really looking for wall art. Right, right. And so we, we figured that maybe if we did the cons, we'd hit a younger market. People who are getting their very first house, their first apartment, and they need stuff to put on the walls. And it worked out. So it just was really the right demographics. Our first Comic Con was Raleigh, formerly SuperCon. Now it's Galaxy mm-hmm. Con in 20, I think it was 17. Yeah, 2017 and sounds when right. when you did it. And that was, Go ahead. that was our first Comic Con and first 
first time making a profit in Raleigh. None of the craft shows in Raleigh made money for us, but the geeks in Raleigh love us and we love Raleigh. Yeah. Before you jump in, Ryan, I that w- that was a massive show because it was the first Raleigh Supercon. That was like ever. That was like jumping into the fire for you guys, wasn't it? Yeah, a little. I mean, we had done other large events. We did a 14-day Christmas show in Charlotte, North Carolina, where they get 100,000 people over 14 days. We did Stone Mountain, Georgia, Yellow Daisy Festival, which is the largest arts and crafts show in America. Right. So we've done other large events, but not large in the term of crowded. Like, you're not that packed into aisles at craft shows. No, and very how many, and you know, barring 2020 as a uh, barometer, but how many shows would you guys say you do in a given year, generally? 30 to 35. And you drive to each of them, correct? Yes. Almost every right. one of right. them. Uh, we have been taking advantage in the past of Wizard World's shipping policy, where they, you know, you can purchase to ship pallets with them, which we really appreciate. I was say, and that's usually tell your story yep. about the one issue that you had. That's how they fixed it. Oh, yeah. yes. Okay. <laughs> so the very first time we ever shipped an entire booth was in the beginning of 2018. We shipped from Wizard World New Orleans to Wizard World Portland, and we flew out there. Previously, we had shipped some inventory, just like a pallet of prints or something, but not a full booth. And we had three, what they call half pallets. It just worked better with our setup. And two of these half pallets arrived, but the third was nowhere to be found. And Wizard World helped us search the entire convention center first to see maybe our name got ripped off of it. Maybe it got put somewhere else. And no, the shipper, the truck driver who was supposed to drive the pallets left our pallet in Detroit. And we are in Portland, Oregon. This is Thursday and the next day, Friday, we are supposed to set up. And Wizard looked at us and said, what do you need in that palette? Is it important? And I said, yeah, it had all of Pat's originals in it and it had most of our setup boxes. So yeah, most was, of our prints. Yeah, it was really hard for us to do a show without it. And I was like, yeah, I really do need it. And I think it was Joe that got on the phone and he was fantastic. They overnighted it on an airplane, first class overnight, and it was there in Portland Friday morning at 7 a.m. I remember when you told me that that. story, and I was like, I can just imagine the anxiety. (laughs) It was really anxious for us, but things happen, and we know things do happen. But they fixed it before the show, and that's the most important factor in that story. Not their shipper forgot something. That happens. We get it. But they made sure we had what we needed. Yeah, if this would have been pipe and drape or if this would have been a couple of tables or something like that, it wouldn't have been a big right. deal. Tablecloth. Yeah. But stuff. I mean, if we would have set up and tried to sell with only a third of our inventory, we would have gotten destroyed at that show. Mm-hmm. It would not have happened for us. Yeah. So mostly we drive to our shows. We do not have a setup that we can fully fly to like Megan Ryan do. Um, so, like, we can't do shows in Hawaii or Puerto Rico, where I know some other artists, especially those who do Artist Alley, can fly with it. It's very convenient, but it's just not how our setup works. So, what you're telling me is you guys don't have a mule like Meg does. Got it. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah. And here's the thing, too. We set up, when we do this, It's and I say we, it's actually Alexis that comes up with the plan and the, and the process and all the logistics, but we'll do a month and a half run where we load up, 
my van, which is a big E350 van with all the seats pulled out of it. We load that thing up. I have a trailer. We load that up. And we hit Denver and Phoenix and Salt Lake City and all these. We do like six shows in a row. And then when we order, our printer's pretty good at drop shipping. And then also the people who make our mats are good at drop shipping. So if we know that we're going to be in Kansas City after we do three different shows, we'll have stuff waiting for us in Kansas City at our hotel that we can go in and put together and set up for the Kansas City show. And those people will have the exact same inventory that the ones in the very first show when the run happens. Yeah, that's The good. runs on the road are one of, oh, sorry. No, I was going to say that's really good, yeah. Yeah, the runs on the road are some of my favorites because we really get to see a lot of the country that way. I love road trips. Yeah, you guys so always remember, put those, 20... post those awesome pictures of like Yellowstone, I remember last year. Yeah, um, that we did, we had an inventory storage unit in Seattle that was supposed to be for like five West Coast shows in 2020, starting with Emerald City Comic Con and ending, I think, with Salt Lake City or maybe it was Rose City. I'm not sure which one was first. And it was going to be for a bunch of West Coast shows. But then, of course, 2020 happened and the storage unit is sitting out in Seattle, making us no money and costing us money, money. Collecting dust. So we had to go out and get it. And the best way to do it was to drive there and back. Which would have taken minimum two weeks because we're in Virginia. And so we're on the coast of Virginia. We are right on the Chesapeake Bay. I could throw a rock into the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. So to drive coast to coast safely is at least 10 days minimum. And that's pushing it. So we decided to add two weeks onto that trip. And we did 10 national parks on the way. And we did a lot of camping. And that was this past August. And it was a lot of fun. It was a brevity to 2020. Yeah, it's perfect timing too, right? When else are you going to get that much time off? In right a, in exactly. a row. <laughs> that was like what we were talking about before we started recording with uh with our trip you know the way things were playing we weren't going to be able to go overseas and so you know you you talked about your uh you know your your trip across the country i you know i i've i've tried to keep my fingers in a lot of different stuff this year to keep myself one busy two to not go out of business <laughs> but like right. what what are you guys doing like you know since there's since, since there's no cons like what, what are you guys doing to, to keep things going well for the first two or so months of pandemic so i guess march through may we stayed home we really tried to quarantine as the government re recommended and we did a lot of online sales pushing our fans were fantastic to us during that time frame. They really stepped up. They purchased from us a lot online. They shared our posts and it was wonderful. But as more people lost their jobs or did not have spending money, our online sales dipped. And with no cons, that's an issue. <laughs> that would be our only income at that point. And so we started to pick up farmer's markets and other very small local events that the governor was allowing. You were allowed to have local events where 250 people or fewer gathered in Virginia. I believe that number is still there. And so farmer's markets and very small local events with 10 or so vendors worked really well. So we've been doing those shows, barring the uh, road trip time frame, since June and some other larger, but not con size large, but larger events have been picking up all every weekend of October. I'm at a farm, like a petting zoo farm in 
um, a city close to ours that has about 10 vendors and they get about a thousand people every three hours because they're timed tickets. And so after that three hours, those thousand people have to leave. So the new batch of people can come in and they got special permission from the governor to hold this or the governor's office to hold this. Everyone has to wear masks. And so everyone's being very safe because it is outdoors, but there's still some congregation of people and we're getting into the um, fall season and Pat's products are very giftable. And we also started selling on Etsy in April. We started selling fabric masks. I got my sewing machine out that had been in storage for 10 years. I hadn't sewn since high school. And I was able to sew masks. And I'm really enjoying sewing the masks. So that's been a positive of the pandemic, getting me back in the sewing hobby. All right. So you guys there? Oh, yeah. So oh. so you're uh, you're staying busy. That's uh, that's a good thing. Well, we got we kind of got back to our roots. I tell people all the time we did start in a church parking lot, and our first five or six shows were very local, very small, uh, and it was just so that we could see if this is something that would work for us. As far as me being an artist, and I don't want to just hang my stuff in a gallery and pray someone walks by and says, "Oh, I really like that. Maybe I'll buy it." This way, you know, it, this is one of those when you do any kind of show, it's always an impulse buy. And if you've got something cool, well, then, you know, it's, you have a good chance of selling some kind of your art. With that said, how do you guys feel about the, uh, the current situation? Yeah, uh, do, you, do you think, do you think like when shows like, let's say January, you know, we're, we're, we're scheduled for uh, New Orleans, right? What, the first right. weekend? Assuming uh, everything goes kind of back to, you know, quotation marks, normal, uh, are you guys planning on being at, at New Orleans? Okay, so we currently have, I think, nine shows or ten shows booked in the first three months of the year. And I am a realist. I'm not a pessimist or an optimist. I try to look at facts and what they are. And our country, not politically, not talking about that. But our country is not doing well with cases. They are not doing well with an infectivity spread. We have one of the highest rates of percentage positive cases in the world. I do not think that's going to get better as people decide to go trick-or-treating to see grandma on Thanksgiving or Christmas when Hanukkah happens, when everyone, including myself, wants to go out and party for New Year's Eve. I don't think we're going to have better cases by January. I do. I've been following a lot of the scientific reports when it comes to the vaccines, some U.S. made and some not U.S. made. And quite a few of the vaccines do look very promising. And so I do feel that cons will return next year. Absolutely. Cons will be back next year. There will be a New York Comic Con next year. People might have to wear masks, but I think it's going to be crowded. But I don't think January, February, or March shows are going to happen. You see, and I, I have, I have, go ahead, Ryan. Go no, ahead. no, you got it. Go ahead. No, I've got a, I've got a little bit different outlook. Um, okay. I, I feel like we're going to see shows. We are, we are absolutely going to see shows in January, February, and March. You're, you're going to see them, but you're not going to see the major shows. Uh, right. Well, you know, no. I, yeah. I agree. We actually have two, technically two, sorry, cats in the background. 
um, two Comic Cons booked technically this year still we have a local one to us well it's within five hours from us still in our state big lit comic con in roanoke virginia it is not our halloween. first time with it halloween weekend. It is halloween night and november 1st right um and we know the size of their show and the size of the convention center it's in that convention center can hold forty thousand people probably and they usually only get i would guess now i don't know the number but i would guess around five thousand about five thousand i've been there for the last two years by myself and it's usually about 5,000 people. If they stagger it the right way, they can get all 5,000 in within the two-day period. Right. I'm going to be doing that show. And here's the thing, guys. Uh, and I'm not someone who's like, oh, my God, I'm so scared of this stuff. But I'm in my mid-60s. I'm overweight. And I have asthma. This this virus is just hanging out my front door waiting for yeah. me. It's like, it's so like, I have to, I have to be <laughs> careful. I'm not afraid. I just have to be careful. So whenever we do a show like Big Lick, which is coming up, and there's another one in Richmond it's later on. VA Comic Con. VA They're usually Comic-Con. one day. Occasionally in October, they'll usually do a two-day. But we're doing their November holiday show. They're small shows, and I'm going to be doing them, but I'm wearing a mask. I might even put on a hazmat suit. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm going to be there because, you know, we have – it's not like I work for, uh, you know, McDonald's or Boeing or something where they say, okay, you got to come into work. And, you know, I don't have that option. I have to work because my bills did not stop just because my my conventions did. Right, right. So I do agree with you, Alexa. Shows will be happening I don't know if the Wizard World New Orleans or that size will be happening. It depends because New Orleans is a what we consider a mid-sized show. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of other people might call it big or small, depending upon what conventions they do. But we do shows like that Big Lit Comic Con with 5,000 attendees. We do shows with New York Comic Con with a quarter million attendees. And we consider anything over about 40,000 people a large show. I think no, most would no. agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you're going to see these for for vendors. You know, these small shows are going to be the thing that keeps us going. Like I've yeah. said it before, well, you you've done a few of them yourself, haven't you? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Ryan and I both have uh, have done have done a few. Yeah. No. Well, um, Big Lick will be the first con that we have gone back to since uh, the Wizard World Cleveland. Yeah, so that'll be the first convention, correct? It's going to be a weird feeling when you guys yeah. walk in. I'm telling you right now. Yeah, well, we like, did. What, what was yeah. the one here? We did UltraCon, and that was our first one since C2E2. And that, you know, and that's the one Alexa was right. here for. Alexa and Tim were here, and we, uh, you know, like you said, when you first walk in, it's just that smell. You see the people you know, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I can't nice. hug you, but I want to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> give me an elbow. Give me an elbow tap. There you go. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> We've so. changed our booth layout for the foreseeable future where we are actually behind the table, which if anyone has ever seen us at shows knows that is not how we operate. We like to be next to our customer, chatting with them, being friends with them because making friends is more important than selling for us. So being behind the table is going to be very weird for us. Yeah. But we have to be (laughs) safe with COVID. And I am hopeful and very optimistic about a vaccine being mostly disseminated to the population by mid next year. Anyone that wants it by I'd say June or July will probably be able to get it. And you guys, you know this as well as I do. 
there's millions and millions and millions of dollars that are not being made because the cons aren't happening because concerts aren't happening because Broadway is not happening. So everybody is going to want this stuff to come around. And if we don't figure it out, if the vaccine doesn't come, we got to, you know, we got to exit a different way and right. find a different way to do this. Well, if, yeah. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I don't know about you guys, but here in Florida, uh, you know, our, our football stadium should be filled up pretty soon because our governor allowed to put that back on the table for everybody. You guys have no restrictions on your stadium. Right. And that's so. the reason why I don't think that we as a country are going to have the case numbers that we should have not just because of florida it's a bajillion little things that all add up right but it's it's a good test i mean and you know we always say how disney has required the mask for everybody and uh they've they've lowered the attendance but i know uh people who have been going you know more recently than we went last time like we're going tomorrow uh we're recording this on on monday afternoon but we're going tomorrow and um we're just going for a couple of days, but we uh, we've been told that the attendance is the attendance has seemed to have gone up. Even yes, that makes me nervous. To be honest, <laughs> you would not catch me in a theme park at the moment. Just personally, with my husband's risk level, I am not a skinny woman. I am medically obese, and. I'm not comfortable with that at all. We have turned down multiple invitations from friends to do anything. If it does not involve work, I don't leave the house except for grocery pickup and not grocery shopping. We still order pickup. I do not see friends at bars, restaurants outside. I don't have friends in my backyard. I do not do any of that. I don't judge anyone who does. They have to deal with this pandemic. However, they need to deal with this pandemic, but that's my comfort level. My comfort level is wear a mask at shows, farmers markets right now, but Comic Cons if they happen, and pick groceries up, and then that's it. I drop mail off at a post office, but it's no contact. So it's, that's our comfort level. Yeah, everybody handles this differently. And like I said, it's not like I'm living in fear. I'm just living cautiously right now, and. Um, to give you an idea, uh, Ryan and Alexa, when we were coming back from Seattle and we're doing these national parks and we're camping, we we're also supposed to do two of them in South Dakota. But South Dakota, all of a sudden, their positivity rate was like at 24%. And was like, well, do we go to South Dakota or do we go to Utah, where it was only like 14% or something like that? Well, we made the call to go to Utah, which was really a better call because I love Moab and I love <laughs> I love Utah. It's a, one of the most gorgeous states out there. So we took that trip instead and it added an extra day for us to avoid going through South Dakota. But it was one of those things where, okay, at least if I have to get gas and I got to go into a gas station and I have to you know, buy a five-hour energy drink because I'm driving 12 hours that day, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be standing in line with a bunch of people who aren't wearing masks and who have no concern at all about this virus. Yeah, we still do not go out to restaurants. We did not go out into a restaurant at all during our road trip. Uh, we ate mostly camp food or cooler food. 
it's just our comfort level is very different than others. Different, yeah, than a lot of people. But Pat's age is such a big factor in that. And he has asthma that he takes medicine for twice daily. I don't want to put him at risk. I just don't. I will wear masks at Comic Cons. I'm excited to go back to Comic Cons. Any show that we have booked that happens, we will be there. But I'm not going to put ourselves at additional risk by going out to breweries with friends, going to the park with people, anything like that. And there, there's absolutely nothing wrong with any of that. I think everybody is handling this at their own, at their yes. own comfort level. Um, I think the thing that's going to probably stunt the, I guess the uh, the turnaround for the comic industry, you know, because it's like you know going off of what pat just had said a minute ago you know there's millions of dollars not being made Mm -hmm. there's i i would i would suffice to say there's billions of dollars not being made and and possibly trillions in the live events industry because there's 12 million live events workers that have no jobs and that doesn't include you know the the artists the vendors you know the uh you know, the, the random people that sell at all of these events, it's literally just those workers. So, you know, you've got all these people that are out of work, but I think one of the things that's going to, going to really stunt the, the turnaround is how people treat the openings. Because I know, Alexis, I know you follow a lot of, you know, a lot of the, the Comic-Con groups, but there's, you know, there's people that are, that are asking questions about, well, you know, what if there's a rapid test at the door? You know, are you going to be okay going, you know, going back into a larger scale show if those tests are 99.9% accurate? And a lot of people are saying, I won't even care if they're, you know, if it's 100% accurate all the time, I'm still not going back until there's a, until there's a vaccine or until, you know, there's a cure. And what a lot of people don't understand is like, there might not be a bona fide vaccine. Correct. No, they won't. The Spanish flu never had a real vaccine. It still comes every year. We just call it the flu. The flu. And (laughs) I, I will say, and I'm, I'm no virologist, but uh, you know, I, I do a lot of reading as well because like Pat, I'm asthmatic, you know, like Pat, I might have a little bit too much weight on myself. And like Pat, I'm older than everyone in this group, except for Pat. It looks cute on you, though. <laughs> uh, I don't carry it well. Um, but I, I'm one of those at-risk groups at the same time. I also f- I think I've had it. I, it's way too long ago to be able to test for antibodies. Yep. But, um, you know, I, I don't know if there's an immunity that's built up or what, but... You know, I, for me, I, you know, I have to, to weigh being able to pay my rent with being able to, you know, continue, continue to function, you know, oh, so I know. I, it's, uh, it, it's, it's definitely, it's a yikes, just yes. all the way around. It's a yikes, but I keep reading up and I, I've read, there's a, uh, he's either Italian or Spanish. I can't remember. Um, but there's a, uh, there's a doctor that keeps doing research on, you know, on this virus. And he's, he keeps saying, look, you know, the reason why people aren't dying in the droves that they were dying in when this first hit is because the virus is weakening. It's not because the treatments yes. are good. It's not because the, you know, we've got better, a better grasp on everything. He's like, we don't know Jack about it. It's because the virus is getting weaker. Well, I actually agree with that because that's what happened with Spanish flu. Um, 
the whole point of a virus has nothing to do with killing its host. They don't care. A virus doesn't think like that. A virus biologically wants to keep living. And if you kill your host quickly, you don't keep living. You don't keep spreading it. As a virus mutates and becomes better to survive, it usually causes less serious symptoms in their host. And so if the virus eventually weakened to a point where it's the flu, like we have now, well, yes, that's dangerous to young people, pregnant women, or the elderly or immunocompromised. It's not like COVID is now, where it's killing people in their 20s healthy people in their 20s and that's the scary part i think okay now let's just completely get off of this uh topic of virus depressing virus i want to talk about my new art that i'm doing (laughs) let's talk about it yeah okay so now here's one of the perks of being quarantined i have so much studio i've never had this much studio time in my life okay and i have been throwing paint almost constantly since this thing started and I've been having such a good time. I've done a Gollum piece. I've done uh, uh, some Lord of the Rings pieces, uh, other pieces. I mean, it's, it's just been like if someone saw me, uh, let's say in Cleveland uh, wizard world back in March, the first of March, I almost have a complete new inventory of work. I've done 60 new pieces since then and i have new ideas coming up that i'm going to be announcing on our broadcasts i don't know if i'm going to announce what i'm going to be doing new this tonight or if i'm going to be doing it next week i think it's next week i'm going to be announcing something completely different that i'm doing that i want to introduce and see how it goes it's only going to be on a limited basis i'm not going to change my style or how i've got to where i'm at because that's what's been made making me successful so I'm not going to shoot myself in the foot, but since I've had all this time, I've had a lot of time to play around and experiment, and I've come up with this new thing that I'm doing, and I'm real excited about it. And you guys will see it in two weeks. Excellent. Are, are you in Florida yet? Are you still in St. Uh, Louis? I'm actually, uh, I'm still in St. Louis. You know, I I threw out a, a message on Facebook and was like, hey, who wants a roommate? Because I need a roommate. And my friend in Florida, um, he's like, hey, (laughs) I wouldn't mind a roommate. And I'm like, wow. I had said to myself, I actually, the last time I was in Florida, I, uh, um, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy Mulligan had, uh, had hooked me up with like this amazing room because his, his, one of his family members is a higher up Marriott. Like I got the hookup. It was great. And I'm sitting out in my, in my room because I was up super early. And I was looking at this gorgeous sunrise and I'm just like, this is where I want to live. Like I've wanted to live here for a couple of years. Like it's been, I've been torn between California and Florida and I've got family down there. You know, I'm like, I, I'm going to be here by the end of next year. Like that was my, that was what I said to myself. And then literally a week and a half later, the, the stars aligned and there we are. So I've got uh, two months left on my lease here in St. Louis. And then I, uh, I start the the terrifying process of uh, <laughs> uh, of packing the entire shop across country and along with all of my stuff. So and I've got a lot of stuff because I once upon a time I had a house. Um, 
Yeah. So I got a, I got a lot of stuff. So got to figure <laughs> out what I'm going to do with all that stuff. Well, you got two months to figure it out. I mean, at least that's a good thing. It's yeah. not one of those like, gee, I'm being by the end of the week. Yeah, right. I, I'm being evicted, and I got to figure out what I'm going to do in like four or five days. Right, so, yeah. right. Yeah, so that's so, the good thing. So, Alexis, um, or actually Pat too, <laughs> um, when you uh, earlier on you were saying how your whole setup has changed, where you guys are behind the booth, so. How you guys were before is you were almost like a U shaped, and I know it wasn't like a full U, but you had the walk-in yeah. area. So how is it going to be different? Where you're just going to have the table kind of out, and you guys are behind, almost kind of how we do it a little bit, kind of um, like that, somewhat. Yeah. So the the two different indoor events we have are ten by ten and line booths. So it's really hard for us with coffee mugs, art prints of at least two different sizes, framed originals and prints, and now fabric masks to have them on a six or eight foot table. Yeah, that just ain't gonna exactly. work. Uh-huh. So we're going to have a modified L shape where the customers walk in and they'll have a table on their left or right. And then there's a table in front of them as well, as well, making an L. And then Pat will stand behind that table and we'll have coffee mugs behind him. So if people want to see a coffee mug, they can ask to see it and he can hand it over. Um, but that allows for some of the distance yeah some of the distance yeah exactly rather than right next to someone you're three or four feet away which isn't quite six but it's better than right next to one of the best things about our old booth layout it was normally we would do it a minimum of 10 by 10 on a corner but mostly it was a 20 foot on a corner and you had mentioned sometimes end caps and what that allowed was because in these conventions comic cons there are handicapped people Yes. And a lot of times they can't get to the items that they want to see because a lot of the vendors and artists almost put barriers stopping people in wheelchairs or even women with strollers and young children. One of the things they could always do in our booth was come in, move around freely without like going, oh, excuse me. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm bumping into people and all that. We had that open openness which i mean we really liked having open booths because it promoted social gathering almost Mm -hmm, and so yeah i mean sometimes i could look over in my booth and there'd be a group of four going through and saying, oh look at this one or look at that one and then you look over at the other side of the booth and there'd be a couple going through and holding it up to their kid what do you think which princess is this right and when you're in that environment, it's very uh, reassuring almost. It's kind of comforting as opposed to I'm on my side of the booth. You're on the other side. I'm selling you something other than I'm inviting you in to take a look at what I've created. We always like to tell our customers that our booth is our home for two, three, four days, however long the event is. And I have a lot of social anxiety around crowds except when I'm in my booth because my booth is my home and it's my happy place. And so being able to accept anyone in the booth, whether they're in a wheelchair, whether they have a walker, whether they have a double wide stroller because they have twins, I want them to be able to fit into our booth. So we're very cognitive of that wheelchair accessibility. We want to be as close to ADA compliance as possible. There's a few of the coffee mugs that get up a little high on the shelf. Whenever anyone comes into the booth that may have an issue reaching them, I let them know if they need any assistance with anything, let us know. That's the only time I mention it, but I like to let people know that we're accepting and we want other people in our booth. 
Yeah, it's very friendly in the booth, and I know uh, you guys have the very cushy uh, walking mats there. Yes, so it's, it's nice. I call very nice. I, I like to go over there. I like to nice. I like to go over there and just stand there. You know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you that this is how we came across the squishy floors. A lot of a lot of vendors do it, but the first time we we did a show, it was an arts and craft show in uh, Chantilly, Virginia, up in Northern Virginia, and it was a three day show. And we didn't have the mats. We just had we were standing on concrete, and by the end by Sunday before loadout my legs were like throbbing in pain. I was in such agony. I was like, I can't do this, you know? And so Alexis, as she always does, if I have a complaint or a concern, she looks into it and she corrects the issue. By the next show, we had these mats that we could lay down and people could stand on. And it made all the difference in the world. And our customers seem to like it too, because they stay in the booth longer and they look at the, so, uh, look at the uh, prints longer. Yes. Yeah, so as a business perspective, if you look at it strictly financially, those mats have paid off more times than I can count. Because at the when you're at a con, anyone that's been there for more than one day knows you are exhausted by the second day, sometimes even the first, and your legs hurt. And if you step on that floor and you don't even realize it's squishier, but your body does, you're going to stay a little longer and flip through the bends. Right. And with art, I can't sell anyone art. If they like it, they like it. If they don't, it's not for them. It's art. It's so personal. All I have to do is get them to spend the time to look at the art. And if they like something, they'll buy it. So that squishy floor that I call it, the mats, really help people stay that little extra time. And that makes all the difference in the world when it comes to our sales. Yeah, no, they're definitely comfortable. I can give you that much. Can you hear me again? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I didn't get any response to that. I was like, yeah, I'm, right. I'm yes. lost. I'm talking to the void. <laughs> <laughs> that happens a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's usually how I am. You yeah. know, I just talk to the void. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, when so, we going to see each other again, guys? What's that? When are we going to see each other again? You uh, know, I mean, it, it's funny because, you know, Alexis doesn't think that uh, that Wizard World New Orleans could happen. Um, I, I have a very different opinion. That is a gigantic convention center. You know, that show doesn't draw. It doesn't draw the amount of people that it used to. Correct. And I, I feel like I, I feel like this is this is going to sound insane. And I'm going to take some, some hits on the head for this. But I feel like we're actually trending in the right direction. Yeah. Because if you look at what Florida did, like Florida was, Florida was a freaking terrifying mess <laughs> in, in July. You know, I mean, they, they canceled a show that had been greenlit two weeks before. You know, they canceled the show within like a week. Yes. Yeah. You know, they canceled that show because, because of the outbreak. And, you know, it was insane. It was 10, 12, 14, 15,000 people every day. And then all of a sudden, they hit this plateau. And now you're seeing the numbers go down. And Florida, 
like, yes, they've got positive cases. You know, yes, they have, they have positive cases daily, but you're seeing numbers that are, you know, that are in line and lower than a lot of the really well-performing states. So, and the big thing, the big thing that's happening here, or maybe not happening, is that the death rate has actually continued to go down. You know, people right. people are still getting it. You know, maybe not, maybe they're getting it as much as before. I don't know, but not, not as many are dying from it. So that's so you know that's you know you always that's hear that oh there's twenty one thousand new cases, 20, but you know of the twenty one thousand, you know twelve are dying. Well, I mean, granted that sucks for those twelve, and I'm not making light of it, but you know that's a lot less than what was previously, you know, when it first started, it was, you know, the significantly higher, you know? Right. So, so I, so I, I want you to be right, Alexa. Oh, so I would I. love if you're right. I will, I will say I'm this. just not seeing it, if, but that's okay. I new, want you to be if, right. If new, if new Orleans is a green light, then I'm going to be there. Yes. Now, uh, but it's gotta be green lit. I mean, it's gotta be ready to go. And they also have to have certain protocols in place. Masks must be like, like I yeah. said, like I said with Alexis earlier that, you know, we look at these shows, we ask them even before we commit to these shows, what are your safety precautions concerning COVID? And if they're not in line with what my safety protocol is, I'm not doing it. Right. I just, I, I refuse, you know, yeah, it's that just, makes total sense. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's my comfort level that I have to be to, to satisfy before I'm going to, I'm not going to be like, well, I got to make money. So I might as well sacrifice my life. <laughs> my life. Right. So I'm going to sacrifice my life for capitalism. Yeah. I'm not yeah. like that. Every, you guys know me. I'm a radical hippie. You know, I, <laughs> I I don't worship the dollar. Matter of fact, Alexis tells me where we are financially, and I tell her, well, it's only money. Because oh. when it, in, in the long run, that's really all it is, and it's all made up anyway. So, you know, that's just my philosophical view on it, but I'm not risking my life for it. You, know, uh, you and my wife would get along very well, as you already yeah. do. She thinks it's, it's money for money, a different is, reason. Yeah, she's like, yeah, it's only money. Let's just go away to wherever. Yeah, yeah go spend it. I mean, <laughs> it's only money. Go you spend can't it. take it with you. Gosh. Really nice my feet. No. Exactly. <laughs> and guess what? I can always make more. So. That's exactly what she always says. And she's like, mortgage, mortgage. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, I do think in New Orleans because the convention center is so large, you guys. Wizard Wizard was Wizard was on top of this before it was a thing. If you think about Correct. it, like they had hand sanitizing uh-huh. stations in Cleveland, and that yeah. was before anything had shut down in America. Yeah. Like they shut Emerald City Comic Con down the Friday we were at Cleveland. So, and they had hand sanitizing stations. You know, I saw probably. 10% maybe of people wearing masks in Cleveland before they were popular, before they were cool, before most people were wearing them. And so Wizard has not been poorly executed from what I've seen. So yeah. if they have their show, I'm sure that the state of Louisiana, the city of New Orleans will say masks must be worn indoors. Oh, yeah, I, and I think that goes without saying. I know. guarantee that they're going to spread out in that uh, in that huge hall. Maybe they won't make us walk. We yeah. won't have to walk all the way down to to yeah. hall H, right? <laughs> I mean, go start in A or B for a change. Yeah, yeah. So if New Orleans happens, if any show we have booked happens, and masks are going to be required, not just for vendors but for attendees as well, we'll go because it's important for I think everyone to try 
to get their comfort level back to whatever normal can be. Yeah. And I think that's going to be the norm for, honestly, I would, I'd even venture to say for almost the entire of 2021, that will be the norm where masks are required. I would be hard pressed to see one that's going to say, you know what, they're optional for the foreseeable future, at least through the end of 2021. And if masks, my, are op- yes. if, if masks are optional, so is my attendance. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I think you're not alone there. I think other people, you know, even if they're not, you know, not in your age bracket, they're still going to be like, I don't want to catch this. Like, I, no. I gotta, you know, when I when I leave the show, I'm going to go home to, you know, see my mom, see my grandpa, you know, like, right. or see someone that has an older, you know, why, why risk it? So that's right. why I think it's going to be mandatory for um, and the it vast majority. People wore masks, not that style, but masks at Comic-Con <laughs> before. Just be Deadpool for the day. <laughs> yeah, that's why I don't understand why they're trying to cancel Halloween. Everybody, it's almost the, the one time where you're kind of required to wear a mask, right? Oh, yeah. I saw one. Uh, someone, had, <laughs> someone had made this, I think it's like a three-inch uh, PVC pipe that went from their front door and it went down the stairs to the to the front of the house for the candy uh, yeah, yeah and they would just the launch, oh, they would launch the candy down that pvc pipe to the kids with their bags out mm-hmm. i thought that's yeah, that, awesome that's brilliant you know yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic yeah that's yeah. a great idea <laughs> i'm just gonna throw candy at them anyway like i usually do. <laughs> pitch it like you want underhand or overhand yeah. oh i i live on the third third story of an apartment I really oh, want to like. I really want to get like a tube and be like stand yeah. right here and just like yeah. launch candy pieces at kids. Yeah, get a, get a slingshot and just you know. Oh God! <laughs> here. Shoot Werther original that. <laughs> oh, that was a bag yeah, of circus peanuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <That was laughs> All right, guys. So. Where if, you know, if the, the, the people out in, you know, our vast listenership want to uh, want to find you guys, where where can they find you at? So we're a morable art. I'm going to spell that for you. A-M-O-U-R-A-B-L-E art. We're a morable art pretty much on every social media that we participate in. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, although I could be getting better at that content. Our website <laughs> is amorableart.com. Amor is love in French. It's a made-up word for lovable art, so Pat didn't have to be pigeonholed into a certain style. It's just art that makes you happy. Yeah, it definitely makes a lot of people happy, that's for sure. Oh, man. Wow. We haven't went with the questions, Ryan. we got to go with the questions before we go. Oh, all right. Okay. You all right, guys. So, you know, I asked the questions, and, you know, Ryan asks the questions. You've already heard them. Um, so for, for both of you entertainment wise, cause I'm a big entertainment buff. Um, if you had to okay. put in a movie to let, you know, to, to have in the background to watch for 24 hours solid, what's the movie? Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> uh, Greece, the original musical. Okay. Guardians okay. of the galaxy, either one or two, it doesn't matter. I've never seen either one. Is that yes. sad? What? <laughs> yeah. Give me your nerd card. That's You're it. canceled. You're canceled. My, t- my 10-year-old's like, really? <laughs> I should watch it again. He's only seen no. it 500 times. Oh. No, I, I, my I can almost quote everything from it. So, yeah. Well, the good thing is I'll <laughs> be in Florida soon so I can make people. Ryan watch it. I, I'll just go to the house good. and turn on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, then you know you guys know that I'm also a food person. I'm a little chubby. Um, yeah, 
<laughs> and I talk about it all the time that, you know, Orlando is my go to place because of the world famous Sloppy Taco Palace. Um, the now world the now, famous. The now world famous. Thanks to the con job. It's podcast. true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and there, there's a lot of cities that are out there that are like awesome for food. You know, do you guys do you guys have that like favorite city that you go to that you're like, oh, we yes, got to go there yeah, this year. Like <laughs> we have one that we both agree on 100 percent. And that's New Orleans. Uh, there you go. I love New Orleans. Now, the other, every time I'm in Chicago, it's my favorite. But the second I leave Chicago, I go, but New Orleans was better. Here's the thing. I've never had a bad meal in either New Orleans or Correct. Chicago. Chicago is both of our second favorite food town. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is kind of a toss-up because I like the Tex-Mex in Houston. God, it was good. But the sushi in Portland is mm-hmm. like to die for you know so uh it it, but more people like tex-mex than they like raw fish so (laughs) uh but i just i like portland portland has a really good food town to it uh because they also have a lot of really good seafood i had probably the best piece of salmon in my life in coos bay uh oregon Mm -hmm. and it was just it, it knocked me out. So, yeah, that's the thing about this job that we do. Yeah, it's you get up early, you sit there, you, you're on your feet 12 hours a day sometimes, or sometimes you're driving 12 hours a day. You're doing all kinds of stuff that most people just would, they'd rather stick a needle in their eye than to do it. But then I get to sit down in some restaurant someplace that they'll never go to and just just have an incredible meal. Uh, I, I know I'm rambling, but here we go. We went to a place, we were in Eureka, California, and behind our hotel was this restaurant. And the people at the front desk said, oh, if you go to that restaurant, you're going to get 10% off. So we're like, oh, well, what the heck? We'll try it. We got this tomahawk steak. And I mean, this thing was like 80 ounces of just beef, you know? The old 96er. Yeah, I was I was sweating beef when I left the place, you know? <laughs> so those are the types of perks that you get when you do the things that we do. I love food. Yeah. So uh, now I'm so used to the East Coast. If someone came to Hampton, Virginia, where I'm living at right now, and I took them out and we got some, uh, we went to a, a crab picking and you guys got to pick some blue crab and, you know, some fresh oysters or clams or whatever. You know, you can have flounder. This area here is is like one of the seafood heavens of, the, of all of America. But I'm so sick of eating seafood all the time that when I get out to a place where it's, you know, oh, hey, here's a bison burger, I go nuts. Right, right. Huh. So for my questions, um, I mean, we both run booths, so we rarely get a chance to leave them. Like if we saw a celebrity, we, you know, it's rare that we're going to go stand in line for X amount of time. It happens, but it's rare. Yeah. <clears throat> so if there's any celebrity out there, money's not an issue. Uh, the person's alive, obviously. Any celebrity that you could think of, who would be the one that you'd want to go wait in line for to see? Mine immediately, I immediately know as soon as you ask, Amanda Tapping. She plays uh, Samantha Carter on Stargate SG-1. She's more known for her directing now. She's big into directing and producing. Um, But I grew up with Stargate SG-1. My mom watched it as a kid. My mom's a huge sci-fi nerd. She's the reason I'm nerdy. And 
she was a scientist. She was strong and everything about her was like something I idealized as a kid. So I would absolutely want to see her. I'd, I'm thinking, thinking of seeing her is making me cry right now. So I would totally freaking cry if I saw her in real life. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. And I've already seen two of the people I've, cause I, I don't ever really get to see celebrities. Right. Uh, I, I saw Henry Winkler and uh-huh. uh, that was kind of cool. Cause I've always liked Henry ever since happy days. Uh, and Henry was, and actually he's one of the nicest people you'd ever want to meet. And the other, uh, we were in Chicago, and um, Paul Rudd was there. And, uh-huh. I had, and I had my original Ant-Man piece, and I just was like, well, hell, I want him to sign this. So I stood in line for like three hours Wow! at the end of Saturday. And I mean, and I'm already hurting because I'd worked for the last two days and yeah. here at the end. And I'm thinking they're going to cut the line off because this is after hours at the convention. Mm-hmm. And he kept that line open and he saw everybody that came through there. He spoke to everybody at length. It wasn't just, hey, how you doing? Here's a signature. Bye. Hey, how you doing? Here's a signature. Bye. He talked to everybody. He was the nicest celebrity. Now, I haven't met a ton of them. He was so freaking nice. We saw him be rude one time and it was not to a guest. We were about probably five or six back in line, so we kind of hear him. And there was a little kid he was probably spending in his handler's mind a little too much time with. It's probably eight or 10. And, um, you know, the handler kind of tapped Paul on the shoulder and was like, hey, kind of move it along. And Paul was super nice to the kid, turned directly to the handler with like the sternest look and said, I'm talking. And went right back to the kid all sweet. <laughs> it was so Oh, that's great. awesome. Yeah, he's yeah. like, I'm talking here. <clears throat> yeah. Don't interrupt me. Yeah. And <laughs> it was, he was wonderful. So cool. He was really like, it was really, really cool because when we walked up there, uh, I looked at him and he saw that I was with Alexis and her mother. And I looked, oh my God, look, it's Paul Ruffalo. <laughs> <laughs> and then he started great. to laugh. Yeah. And then uh, that kind of, but he was really, really nice. He spent a good minute and a half talking to us, yes. which after, I mean, we were in line for three hours. So for three hours before we got there, and this was, and I got in line late. So he'd been doing this all day. Mm-hmm. And for him to take as much time as he did with everybody was just amazing. So yeah. after that, I was like, who in the heck am I want to want to go talk to after something like that? Yeah, that's really cool. I, I've heard a couple stories about him, how super nice he is. I love I love hearing that stuff when they're uh, when it seems like they're just overly nice and just yeah. appreciative, you know? Yeah, both um, Henry Winkler and Paul Rudd were very, very cool. I enjoyed both of them, so. So now this next one, uh, if you could pick anyone throughout history, they don't, they don't even have to be alive, obviously. Who would that be? Uh, mine's Jerry Garcia from The Grateful Dead. Oh, yeah. Okay. Why does yeah. that not so, surprise me at all? <laughs> after, after he said, after he, said he, was the, he you were the big hippie, I mean, that's an easy answer, right? Yeah. Well, no, I mean, and, and it's, you know, everyone talks about who the greatest guitar player is in the world and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I mean, technically, Jerry wasn't the greatest, but he also, he just, he has a personal connection to me. It's like his music spoke directly to me. So to me, that's always going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And and maybe to, you know, smoke a joint with Jerry would be like the most awesome (laughs) thing ever. 
You know? In states where it's legal. <laughs> In states where yes, it's yes. Well done. Well done. Let's put that asterisk out there. Yeah. In, in Colorado is what you meant. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was in Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what about you? Probably Catherine Hepburn. She's such an iconic oh. actress. She's done some amazing things. She was a big social advocate, especially for women's rights. She was one of the first women in Hollywood to really wear pants. And that was, at the time, huge. So she'd probably be my historical person. Okay. That's interesting. Okay. Those are, I mean, there is no wrong answer. So those are, those are pretty good ones. You're damn right. My answer's right. (laughs) Well, I'll give you half, I'll give you half credit, but (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, no, so I want to thank you guys both for taking the time to, uh, to join us today. I know we had a little bit of technical difficulties on our end and I appreciate you uh, sticking by us while we work through it. Um, And uh, yeah, if there's, you guys have anything else you want to, you want to add in before we let you go? Uh, just to uh, everybody uh, that's listening, uh, Ryan's wife, Megan, is an incredible artist. Please go check out her page, her website. And Alexa, your glassworks are blowing me away lately, the stuff that you've been putting out there. So please, anyone listening, please go to Alexa's website and check out her glass. I think it's nerdy. Everyday uh, geek glass. Geek. Everyday geek. There we Everyday go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so uh, I don't mind plugging you guys whenever I get the chance either. So I know we appreciate you having us on today. Yeah, thanks. Thank yeah, you. Thanks, for, uh, thanks for hopping on and giving us the plug that we'd never give ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's uh, you true. got the platform. Yeah, you still want to brag too much. <laughs> Thank you so much, yeah. guys. Hopefully, we'll right. see you in New Orleans and we'll have some red beans and rice. Yeah. Thank like you, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Bye bye.